6th chapter, Ephesians the 6th chapter, and then we'll be backing up into Ephesians the 4th chapter where where we will be uh, most of our time together this morning. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 6, if you're a guest with us this morning, welcome. And um, I'm going to kind of speed through the review from last week uh, because there's just so much that I want us to try to get to uh, this morning out of um, Ephesians, uh, the fourth chapter. But let's begin uh, in verse number six and verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter six, Ephesians chapter six and verse number 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So look at me for a moment. This is good news. I want you to see it as such. He's, he's telling you and me that there's something we can do to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's something you can do, something I can do. Remember when Jesus was about to be betrayed by Judas and he kept asking his disciples to pray. Not for him. I always read that as he was wanting them to pray for him. If you look at that carefully, he was asking them to pray so that they would not fall into temptation. In other words, he knew that that a lot was about to come down, not just on on him, on Jesus, but on those who were close to him. And he knew that there was something that they could do that would make that load easier to bear. Of course, we know they slept instead of praying and, um, and, and missed out on that opportunity. So he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I want you to say something with me this morning, okay? Are you ready? Say this after me. People are not my problem. Come on now again. People are not my problem. Amen. People are, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, we've got to recognize that the enemy is, is trying to manipulate responses out of us uh, that, that would hurt uh, us and that person potentially uh, when you know, we're not ignorant of the demonic forces that are trying to manipulate circumstances, situations, and yes, even people against us. So we do not wrestle against people, flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age against, notice against, 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 amen, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. So again, he tells us, verse 13, therefore, in light of these things, one more time, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your waist uh, girded with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the instructions here, uh, just to simplify it, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice it does not say that you may be able to stand against the power of the devil or that you may be able to stand against the authority of the devil. Because it's, it's not his power or his authority that is a threat to us. What is a threat to us are his wiles, are his deceptions, 
are the ways that he tries to manipulate things against us. Remember, the devil cannot mess up your life or my life without our cooperation. So he's constantly trying to deceive us and trick us into responding in a wrong way, right, so that he can produce some kind of negative effect or consequence in our lives. So it's not the power of the devil. Hollywood tries to make him out to be some monster with horns, you know, breathing fire in a red outfit or or what have you, uh, as powerful as God. Uh, My friend Lucifer, in in his best day, was not omnipotent, was not all-powerful. God's all-powerful. Archangels are not all-powerful. This was when, before Lucifer fell, um, and he was stripped of everything that made him an archangel when he fell. Uh, so as Lee Jones says, he's an archangel wannabe. Amen. That's all, that's all he is. He never was God. He never was like God. Are you hearing me this morning? And so it's not his power. That's, that's again, a part of his deceptions. He's trying to make you think that he has all this power and all this authority. He, he is a trickster. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. And so if we can learn how to overcome his wiles, then we can live in the victory that belongs to us as our birthright as children of God. Amen. So um, we said that you'll never experience and enjoy victory in life until you learn to overcome the wiles, the schemes, the tactics, the strategies, the methods of the enemy. Now, I know that we've said this over and over again, but I just... As, as excited as I am to get over into Ephesians 4, let me just once again remind you that the question is not whether or not blows are coming your way. The question is whether or not you'll be wearing armor when they come. If the whole armor of God was not necessary, He would have never told us to put it on. He would have never provided it for us. Now, if we're going to understand how to put on the whole armor of God, and, 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 and this is not something... That, that we do theoretically. It's something that we must learn how to do practically and effectively. So that's why I want us to go back now uh, earlier in the book of Ephesians where Paul uh, talks about and uses this expression, put on, amen, uh, earlier in the book. And the idea, of course, is that this was a letter written to the Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus, uh, and, and then to the body of Christ at large, that's you and me, And the fact that we would have already read Ephesians 4 before we came to Ephesians 6, uh, Ephesians 4 would have given us uh, some insight into how we effectively put on the whole armor of God. Let me me try to say it another way. Um, You know, if you just, you know, open up your Bible to Ephesians 6 for the first time and you don't know anything about Ephesians 4, and you read in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God, you know, you think, man, this is really, really important. I wish the Bible said something more about how to do that practically and effectively. Well, good news. Amen. He, he does tell us how to do that uh, more practically and more effectively uh, earlier in this letter, earlier in this book. So that would be Ephesians chapter 4. Amen. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 4. And for now, we'll begin at verse number 20. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 20. Amen. All right, so verse 20 says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and put on the new man, 
which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, chapter 6 tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us some more insight into this. And, and not only do we see uh, the, word, the words put on in chapter 4, we also see put off. In other words, there's something for us to put off, take off, and there's something for us to put on or to, or to take on. Praise God. Now, I love to preach, amen, uh, but I also love to teach. And so I'm going to, you know, just kind of slide into teaching mode this morning. And uh, I'm going to, please thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me because this is a very, very big subject. Give you some idea. Those of you who have taken discipleship class, um, it's nothing for us to spend four to six hours on this subject. And, and, and this subject, again, bears that kind of time uh, to do it, quote-unquote, justice. In other words, to, to really um, dig and drill down into all that the Bible has to say about that. Well, obviously, we don't even have an hour to do that this morning. Um, so we're going to hit the parts that I think need to be touched on so that we can ultimately, because remember, our ultimate goal this morning is to understand how to practically and effectively put on the whole armor of God. Now, if you'll notice, and I'll put it back up on the screen, verse 20 begins with the word but. Verse 20 begins with the word but. You never begin a conversation with the word but, right? Um, It's never the first uh, word of a conversation. So let's go back up real quick like, let's go back up to um, the verses that come before verses 20 through 24 so that we can explore the context of these verses because the context of verse 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 uh, are going to better, again, serve us in understanding how and, and why and, and this whole idea of, of putting on, uh, in this case, the new man, uh, and then in chapter 6, putting on the whole armor of God. So uh, let's go again, verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. These, these are the verses leading up to verse number 20. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Okay, now the problem that the Holy Spirit is addressing, obviously through the Apostle Paul, uh, but the the problem that he is addressing that that existed in the early church or the church at Ephesus, amen, it's a problem that continues um, in the church uh, to this very day. And by church, I don't mean a building. Remember, you are the church. That, that, you know, living stones. The church which is His body. So this was, uh, he's, he's dealing with problems and issues that existed in the lives uh, of, of, of men and women uh, in the church at Ephesus. And, and these are problems that, that still linger, if you will, uh, in our lives uh, today. What is that problem? Well, I believe the, the problem here uh, is, is pretty clear, but let me make sure 
uh, because some of these words may not be words that you use on a regular basis. The problem that verses 20 through 24 provide an answer for is that born-again people are living and behaving as if they have never been born again. They're living like people on the outside looking in as opposed to the insiders that they actually are. They're living alienated, separated from the life of God, even though the life of God, the eternal Zoe life and nature of God, abides within them. We're talking about their conduct. We're talking about their behavior. But we're also talking about the level of life that they're experiencing and enjoying. He's talking about people who are living like they do not have a covenant with God when they actually have an eternal covenant with Him. They're behaving like people who do not know God when they have, in actuality, become one with God. Okay? Now, I know that, that, that we said a lot there, but I'm just trying to take what each of these different words that he used uh, in, in, in these verses and break them down in, in a way that perhaps you can relate to or that you can connect to. Now, as we're here, I want you to pay very close attention to the phrase, the futility of their mind. Do you see that? Verse uh, number 17, This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk. Walk means the way you live your life on a daily basis as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Okay, Gentiles were outsiders. Gentiles had no covenant with God. Can, Can I tell you, and I'll use this word again in a minute, but a Gentile was a heathen. A Gentile was a heathen. And how do they live their lives on a daily basis? They live in the futility of their mind. Now this word futility, uh, it's translated in other places, vanity. And, and what it literally means is that there's no way that it could ever produce the kind of results that they were hoping to have uh, produced or realized in their lives. If something is futile, okay, it doesn't matter how many times you try it, it's never going to do for you what you want it to do for you, okay? And, and so, again, if it's, if it's futile, it, it'll never work. If it's futile, it'll, it'll never come out how you want it to come out, how you need it to come out, how you may even be, able, be praying that it will come out, right? But if, if you're continuing to do something that's, that's futile or think in a way that's futile, you're going you're to keep falling short of, of, of the reality, the experience, the life, if you will, that, that you're hoping to produce. So again, pay close attention to the phrase, the futility of their mind, because the mentioned uh, living problems and behavior problems are rooted in thinking problems. That's, that's what he's saying here. He's saying that they're, they're living far beneath their privilege as children of God. They're living far beneath what Jesus uh, bought and paid for through His death, burial, resurrection, and return to the Father's right hand. They're, they're, they're coming far short of that, not because God's withheld it from them, but because of their futile thinking. They're living like heathens because they're continuing to think like heathens, even though they're not heathens anymore. They're not separated from God anymore. They're not spiritually dead anymore. Now, let me make sure that you understand this because we live in a religiously minded world 
Um, it's sad to me that so many in the body of Christ, because it's, it's what so many people have been fed and what so many people have heard, that anytime we talk about life, living, in, slash behavior, our minds tend to go only to the concept of conduct. In other words, that Paul, through the, the Holy Spirit through Paul, is telling them to straighten up, right? You, you guys are being bad and you need to be good and quit being bad and wagging the old you know, religious finger at them. But when he says alienated from the life of God, he's not just talking about their conduct. He's talking about something that, that Father God is far more interested in in your life than your conduct. And that is your condition of life. You see, Jesus bled to death naked on a cross not to modify your conduct, but to give you abundant life. He, he wants to elevate your quality of life. He wants you to live on a standard of blessing and prosperity. The only reason Father God has ever said anything to anybody about their conduct is because how we conduct ourselves has everything to do with the condition of life we experience. So when he says they're alienated from the life of God, he's not just saying that you're not obeying the commandments, you're not following uh, you know, the, the, the order, you're not doing what uh, you're supposed to do. He's saying that you're not enjoying what you should be enjoying. You're not experiencing what you could be experiencing. You're coming up way short of God's highest and best, and Jesus paid the price that separated you from God's highest and best so that you could have God's highest and best in your life every day of your life. These people were living in failure when they could have been experiencing success. They were living in defeat when they could have been enjoying victory. They were living as slaves to sin when they had been set free a long time ago from sin. Amen. I want to tear off on something that would take me 25 minutes, but it's some fresh revelation that I've been teaching at the foundry this week, and we were singing about it this morning. I'm just going to introduce it here and I'll move on, I promise, okay? The Lord told me there's a difference between being made free and being set free. The Emancipation Proclamation made the slaves free, but a lot of them still lived as slaves, even though they were not slaves anymore. Jesus made you free so He could set you free. It is for freedom that He has made you free, amen? He made you a free man so you could live in freedom. Are you hearing me? He gave you rest so that you could learn from Him and, what, find rest for your souls. So do you see, the Apostle Paul understands this. The, the book of Ephesians explains all this. And so he's, he's addressing, not because he's trying to call them on the carpet, not because he's trying to condemn them or shame them, uh, you know, because of their bad behavior. He's trying to help them understand how to correct it. He's trying, are you ready? He's trying to, to show them, the Holy Spirit's trying to show them and ultimately show you and me as well how to put that off. How to, how to, how to set that aside and move on into these better things. Now, if, if the verses 20 through 24 are about anything, first of all, they're about put off the old man, put on the new man. Put off the old man, put on the new man. All right? So when we're talking about putting off the old man, obviously we're talking about the, the old condition of life, the old quality of life, as well as the old way of living and doing. All right? 
And we're talking about putting on the new man. We're talking about putting on the new condition of life and putting on the new way of living and doing. And we see that the practical way to make this transition is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now that's ultimately what I want to talk to you about this morning. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And what that really means, okay, But before we can do that in a way that you will appreciate it and it will be ultimately meaningful for you, I think we need to spend a little more time right here. And so let's do that right quick, okay? When he says put off the old man, put on the new man, let's talk first of all what this old man actually is, what he's telling us to put off. He says, and so I put it up on the screen, it says, the old man is speaking of the spirit you were and the nature you had before being born again. Now, I'm not going to try to go back and re-preach last Sunday's sermon, but remember, you are a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit. The real you is a spirit. The real you is not the physical body you see in a mirror. That's your outward man. That's the only part of you that's temporary. And we put all our eggs so many times in the basket of that outward man. The real you is what the Bible calls your inward man, and your inward man is the combination of your spirit and your soul. So I like to say it this way. You are a spirit. That's you. The real you is a spirit. You possess a soul. Your soul is the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses. And just like a hand slipped in a glove, your physical body is the glove and the hand that's in that is your spirit and your soul. You are a three-dimensional being. The real you, again, is your spirit. If you're in the room this morning and you have been born again, it was not your flesh that was born again. It was not your soul that was born again. It was your spirit that was born again. Okay? So the old man is speaking of the spirit you were and the nature you had before being born again. The new man is speaking of the spirit you became and the nature you received through the new birth. Okay? Now, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So when he says, I want you to follow closely. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want you to follow closely here. All right? Because these men and women have already had their old man dealt with when they were born again. Because they were already, come on now, you, come on, come on now. Don't, don't pull away. Lean into this this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us this morning. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of these things. Father, my prayer this morning is that like light bulbs deep inside of our spirits, Father, that these things would, would begin to illuminate not from the outside into us, but from the inside out of us. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. And we call upon you this morning to lead us and guide us into all truth. And Father, there are people in this room this morning, there are people listening to me this morning. They're suffering in their lives needlessly so. They're, 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 they're depressed needlessly so. They're experiencing all kinds of, of, of emotional pain and, 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 and physical loss 
and, 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 and stress and anxiety in their lives. Needlessly so, because they don't understand how to be renewed in the spirit of their mind. They don't understand these things. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that You would help me say them clearly and concisely. And Father, I ask this morning that the Holy Spirit would help us embrace and understand these things as only He can in Jesus' name. Amen. You with me this morning? So these people had already become new creations. In other words, they had already become born again. They had had already received a new spirit. My friend, when you're born again, this is why I say this takes so many hours in discipleship class. I wish I had time to show you every verse in the Bible. But let me just try to help you, uh, you know, again, see at least part of it this morning. When you're born again, the spirit that you had before you were born again is not refurbished. It's not factory reconditioned. You, know, you can go to an outlet mall and, and you, can, you can buy uh, a DeWalt drill that, uh, that somebody returned to the store because it wasn't working properly. And they'll send it back through the factory and, and put some new brushes in it or whatever. And then they'll resell it as something factory reconditioned. It's the old drill that's just been spruced up. My friend, the spirit that you have right now is not your old spirit spruced up. It's not your old spirit forgiven. It's not just your old spirit with, with some you know, fresh paint and, and, and mascara on it. Are you hearing me? Your old spirit, the, the man that you were before you were born again, according to Romans 6 and many other places in the Bible, that old man was buried with Christ and left in an unmarked grave. And when you were born again, the Bible says you were born from the dead. Amen. And you were given a brand new spirit and your brand new spirit became one spirit with God's spirit. So when we talk about this old man... That clearly the Bible here, and this is why so many people are confused about these things, you, you see put off the old man, and people automatically think that the old man they were uh, at the spirit level of their existence somehow is still roaming around their lives. My friend, that is simply not the case. Jesus killed him. Are you hearing me? This is what Paul means when he says, I was crucified with Christ. This is what Paul and the Holy Spirit's talking about when he says, I was buried with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I. It's Christ who lives in me now. Amen. Amen. So you say, well, Pastor Mark, if what you're saying is true, then why are we told here to put off the old man? Well, let's go back and look carefully at what he actually said. Okay, and let me, I'm going to put it back up on the screen. Thank you, Jesus. That you put off comma concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt to deceitful lust. He did not tell you to put off the old man. Why did He not tell you to put off the old man? Because putting off the old man has already been done. He's already been not just put off. He's been taken away. He's been nailed to a cross. And He's been buried forever in an unmarked grave. He's not telling you to put off the old man. He's telling you to put off the former conduct of the old man. Again, what's the context? The context is born-again believers living like uh, people who have never been born again. Are they, is that because of their spirit? No, it's because of the futility of their mind.
they were new men and their old man had already died with Christ. This had become an eternal reality for them and yet we find these instructions. Put off the old, put on the new. So let me single this out. Verse 22, Ephesians 4, 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man. We are not being told to put off the old man, but to put off the conduct, the behavior, the way of life of the old man. If you have been born again, the old person you were no longer exists, even if some of his or her former conduct does. So how do you practically, effectively, and experientially, by experientially I mean actually experience the results of it in your life, put off the old and put on the new? You put off the old man and you put on the new by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now for those of you who have been at Heritage for some time, you know that we have referenced be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, often over the years, but you'll hardly ever come to this building that you won't hear me mention Romans 12 where it says to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Romans 12 is telling us that we need to be renewed. Our minds need to be renewed. Well, Ephesians 4 clarifies that even even more in that it's not just that our minds need to be renewed, reconditioned, but that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Now, over the years, I've tried to uh, explain to you the difference between uh, the renewing of the mind and the renewing of the spirit of the mind, Okay? And I feel like we've gotten close, <laughs> but again, I was trying to think, I, I would even play some of the excerpts if I had it from some of those old sermons, if I had them at my disposal this morning. But the best that we've come up with to this point, we're going somewhere deeper this morning, but the best that we've come up to this, to this point is that the spirit of the mind has to do with the attitude of the mind. And I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong, okay, but... Again, because people don't understand spirit, soul, and body, when you start throwing spirit of the mind in there, it's, it starts to get muddled. Amen. And we do not need muddled this morning. We need crystal clear. Are you hearing me? We, we need to understand this. And we need to understand this not vaguely, not sort of like, but precisely and clearly. Now, it was, I'm going to say three weeks ago now, maybe four weeks ago, I was meditating on these verses. And we've been talking about, in the course of our study on Wednesday night, the last two Wednesdays that I was with you, that was last Wednesday and Wednesday two weeks ago. Um, We've been talking about um, just meditating on the Word of God and how the Holy Spirit will show you things while you're meditating on the Word of God. And so I was once again meditating on these verses and, and basically ex- expressing to the Holy Spirit um, that I was not fully satisfied 
that I understood what he was saying when he, when he said, renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that's, kind of, that's, where, that's where my focus was. That's where my meditation was. That's where my dialogue with him um, you know, what was that morning. Okay? And, and just asking him for help. Reminding him, not that he forgot it, but I'm reminding myself that he's the spirit of, of truth. And Jesus said he would lead me and guide me into all truth. And I said, you know, Holy Spirit, you, you probably sat back and chuckled at me taking swings at this over the years, you know. Um, but I, I'm still not to my satisfaction. And, and because this is such a critical piece, because this is how you put on. If you want to know how to effectively and practically and experientially put on the new man, if you want to know how to practically, effectively and experientially put on the whole armor of God, then we need to understand what it means to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Right? So this is, this is just kind of how my thoughts are going, how my, my, my dialogue is going you know, with the Holy Spirit. And he showed me that I had made a classic mistake. And the classic mistake, how many times, those of you who who you know been around here for a while at Heritage, how many of you have heard me say these words, before you ever look for a deeper or hidden meaning, you need to look for the one right there in front of your face. Well, the classic mistake that I've been making all these years is that I've been trying to find something deeper and I've been trying to find something hidden in this expression uh, renewed in the spirit of your mind. And this is what the Holy Spirit showed me three weeks ago. Are you ready? The spirit of your mind is the version of your spirit that still exists in your mind. The spirit of your mind is not referring to your born-again spirit. It's, re- it's, it's referring to how you still see yourself spiritually in your mind. Are you with me? The spirit of your mind. Have you ever heard somebody say he's a legend in his own mind? Amen. He's a legend in his own mind. You see, you've got the reality of your born-again spirit then you've got the version of who you think you're, you are spiritually in your, in your mind. We were singing, I am who you say I am this morning. Amen? I am who you say I am. Most people believe they are who their behavior says they are. Most people believe they are who their reputation says they are. Most people say I am who my mama and them say I am. Amen. No, no. I am who he says I am this morning. And this is what went off inside of my spirit like fireworks this morning when I was singing that, right? I am who you say I am. So I can do what he says I can do. If I am who he says I am, then I can do what he says I can do. And the only reason we're not doing what he says we can do is because we don't believe we are who he says we are. Amen. Well, why do we not believe we are who he says we are? Because we have uh, old man 1.0 in our minds. Your spirit was born again and you became a new creation. Your old former spirit was buried with Christ. The old man 
spirit you were and nature you had died when you were born again from the dead. Let me give you that verse, Colossians 1.18. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. My friend, when you were born again, you were born again from the dead. We were dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and sins. We were children of disobedience, and we were by nature children of wrath. We were the offspring of disobedience, and we had received from that experience a nature of wrath. This is also what you may heard people say these words together before. Have you ever heard the expression, sin nature? Sin nature. Now, if you listen to uh, a, a lot of preachers today, they will tell you that you still have a sin nature. If they're right, then Jesus came up short on the cross. If I still have a sin nature after having been born from above, born of the Spirit, born of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God a second time, if I still have a sin nature, then what Jesus did on the cross was not enough to do what He came to this earth to accomplish for me and you according to His Father's plan. My friend, He didn't just come to forgive you of your sins. That's what religion tells you. Certainly we've been forgiven. But, the, but John the Baptist, the greatest prophet born of a woman, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus didn't just come to forgive you of your sin. He came to take away your sin. He didn't just come to forgive you outwardly for your behavior, but He came to make you a new creation inwardly. He came to kill the old man you were and bury the nature that that spirit produced in you and put a new spirit in you and to put the very nature of God in you. This is why the same Bible that says we were partakers of the old nature or we were, uh, I'm sorry, we were by nature children of wrath. Now he says we have become partakers of the divine nature. See, rooted in all of this are these lies, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'd rather you spit on the windshield of my truck than say that in my presence. I'd rather you take long fingernails all the way down. I'm not talking um, uh, vertical. I'm talking about horizontal on a chalkboard. Then say in my presence, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Notice what the devil's trying to do there. He's trying to convince you that that old man and that old nature is still uh, in your spirit. Say, well, Pastor Mark, it, it, it sure does seem like I have those two natures. If I don't have that nature anymore... Why do I still want to do those sinful things that I, that I used to do? Talking about your former conduct now, right? See, see, here we go. Talking about your former conduct now that we're all putting off. How do we put it off? How do we put it off? Renewed in the spirit that exists in your mind. 
I'm offering to you this morning is that your mind is the only place your old man can still exist. Your mind is the only place your old man can still exist. How about this? A figment is something that seems real but only exists in the mind. Jesus and the new birth reduced your old man to a figment. He's just a figment now, my friend. I understand there's days that he seems very real. I understand when you're in the, you know, throes of temptation and your flesh is screaming for things that your flesh used to enjoy, that it can seem so real that that old nature is still alive and well in you, that that old man is rising up and we got to we got to somehow put him to death. No, 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 no. Please hear me. Please hear me. Please hear me. He's already been put to death. And if it does seem like he's rising up, he's only rising up in your mind. Jesus reduced him to a figment. He's a figment. He's a figment. This is why you can be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put him off. Take him off. Get him away from you. Because he's just a figment. He's just a figment. The former conduct continues to be a present tense problem. Why? The old conduct continues to linger Because the old man is trying to haunt our minds. Singers, musicians, come on. I just looked at the clock. Praise God. Now, I'm going to be very careful in what I'm about to say, and I want you to be very careful to hear me clearly, okay? I do not believe in ghosts unless you're talking about the Holy Ghost. Okay? I won't set the whole story up for you, but it was a moment of crisis in Bethany's life when she was just a very little girl. And we were praying as we were trying to help her through that uh, crisis. I think she'd gotten a hairbrush stuck in her hair. I mean, like a round hairbrush stuck in hair this long. And we, of course, did not want to have to cut her hair to get it out, and we were were trying to work it out of there. And, of course, Pam was praying, I was praying for the Lord to help us. And Bethany bowed her head, and she said, Oh, dear Lord God Jesus, I believe everything my family believes except for that part about them ghosts. She wasn't sure about the Holy Ghost, right? Some ghosts kind of scared her, right? She heard us talk about the Holy Ghost, and ghosts scare spooky, right? But what's the concept, right? That something tragic happened in a hotel, and now... The ghosts of the people who lost their lives in that hotel now haunt that hotel. 
Do you notice a surge in all that stuff recently in reality TV and history channel, learning channel, discovery channel, whichever one, that whole network, and they have all that stuff going on there right now, right? Listen to me. The devil, I don't believe in ghosts, but I do believe in devils and demons, and they're lying spirits, and they take on the form of things, right? Are you hearing me? Okay. I'm not here to teach you all that. Why am I bringing it up? I'm bringing it up to make what I believe about that clear, but, but to use the analogy Your old man's trying to haunt your mind. He's trying to appear in the window to startle you and scare you and manipulate you. Are you understand what I'm saying? Why did the old behavior linger? Because the old man who Jesus put in an unmarked grave made an impression on your self-image. He made an impression on what you believe to be true about yourself. He made an impression on you. And long after Jesus grabbed him by the ankles and drugged him down into a grave forever, right? There's some residue. Are you hearing me? There's some residue, not on your spirit. Not on your spirit. On your thinking. On your thinking. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Look at me for a moment. One of the best neighbors I've ever had. I went to his funeral yesterday. Mr. Chester A.G. Went home to be with the Lord at 70 years old, way too young. A beautiful family, big family. They said graveside service. It was an hour and 45 minutes. It's fine with me. Longest graveside service I've ever been to, though. This may sound very odd thing to say to you this morning, but I feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to say it. It's time that you had a funeral for your old man. Come on now. You know what I mean by that? What, what was that funeral for yesterday? Well, Mr. A, I called him, I didn't call him Chester. Everybody else called him Chester. I called him Mr. A.G. out of respect. We'll be out cutting our grass together. He had pulled his riding lawnmower up beside me, and we'd turned them off. He's 70 years old, took his AirPods out. Man, that's, that's kind of, that says a lot about him right there, doesn't it? And we'd sit there and talk, talk about the Lord, talk about family, talk just, just a good brother. He passed Sunday afternoon a week ago. He had already been in heaven seven days. Why did we have a funeral? We had a funeral. 
closure, people say their peace, people say goodbye, all that stuff, right? Now the healing begins from there, right? When I say you need to have a funeral for your old man, I'm just saying you need some kind of formal ceremony to recognize he's dead. You need, you need something in your mind. You need a, a place marker in your mind so that when he tries to haunt your life again, you can remind him, you died when I was born again, and I acknowledge that formally on January the 31st, 2021. I had a funeral for my old man. My old nature, my old self. Father, help us. Help us, Father. Draw the line between that was then and this is now. That used to be me, but it's not me any longer. May we be renewed in the spirit of our minds this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want us to sing together before we're dismissed. If you'd like someone to pray with you, these altars are open as always. I'd be honored to pray with you, agree with you this morning. I just feel like you need to be in His presence for just a few more minutes. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Let Let Him confirm some things in you today. I'm not trying to embarrass you or call you forward. If you want to come, come. But I'm just saying, there are folks in this room, you, you need to ask Him to forgive you for some stuff this morning. You, you need to say, Lord, that, that's, that's behavior, of, that's, that's conduct concerning my former man. That's, that's old business. And I, I ask you to help me move past it today, Lord. If you confess your sin, the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive it. Amen. All right, let's worship him before we dismiss. Praise God.